Good day, my friends. This is Under Review, the tennis podcast from an insider's perspective. I'm Craig Shapiro, and on the show, I talk with the most interesting voices in the sport. We have got a great show for you today. He posted wins over Filipusis, Roddick, and Feliciano Lopez, and he's part of the illustrious Final Eight Club at Wimbledon. He spent five years at the Bulletary Academy, coming up with the likes of Tommy Haas and Max Murnie. Until recently, he was the head of player liaisons at the ITF, but now he's taking that skill to Tennis Australia. Brazilian Andre Sá is going to tell us what next year's Summer Down Under is going to look like, what got the cab drivers in Brazil to realize that a tennis racket was not a small guitar, and what it's like to challenge Great Britain's greatest hope on center court at Wimbledon. We met up with Andre a few months back at the Miami Open, which is informally known as the Latin Slam. First of all, we're here in interview room, I think five, and um, it's a temporary box at the bottom of the Hard Rock Stadium. Gentlemen giggling is uh, Brazilian Andre Sa. He's got the most memorable last name of any player. He's got to be the only player in the history of the ATP that only has two letters in his last name. <laughs> That's got to be true, right? Well, I might throw in a, one of the Chinese guys there, but I would say, you know, non-Chinese, probably that it. A dream, a dream for any any reporter, right? Andre Sa. <laughs> two letters. But you have a, you have another name, Resendes. Resende, Resende. That's my mother's name. Yeah. So in Brazil, you take in Portugal too, or just Brazil? You take the, you have father, a father. Yeah. Father's name, but your mother, but you, your mother gets a shout out in your name. She does, yeah. But we only use the father. Andre so, no, Sa. Andre Sa. That's it. First of all, thank you. Andre Sa got to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon, uh, two thousand two. The good old days. My man, we have a lot to talk about. We do a five-set format. Okay. And our first set, we call it the off-the-court report. And, you know, when we saw you in London, you were working for the ITF. That's right. And what was your job there? Well, I was uh, head of player liaison for, for ITF. Player liaison. Liaison, yeah. They got the smooth Brazilian guys doing that job because yeah. they get along with everybody. These guys, yeah. yeah. Well, because of the, all the new changes of the Davis Cup, that's primarily was my my job, my to overlook and get all the pieces together with, with the new format and get players involved. So you know they needed somebody to to do that between you know ITF and, and, and the players. But now it sounds like you've been poached. I, 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 what, <laughs> what, what what happened there? What's the story? Now I work for uh, Tennis Australia, doing the same exact role. Head of player liaison. <laughs> you are player. How does a Brazilian get hired by Tennis Australia? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, well, you got to tell for, us. The formula, I don't know. It was just, you know, I was doing, I, I did 12 months for, for ITF. Things were going great. You know, the, I guess they saw, you know, the impact I was having with the players and the communication side. And Tennis Australia also started their new, you know, summer of tennis now with the ATP Cup. And at the Adelaide Tour event as well. Hold on, explain that. ATP Cup is, is it used to be Dusseldorf? Yes. Back in the days, Dusseldorf was a, was a team competition with eight teams uh, leading up to the French Open. Not and men and now, women, men. No, only men. Okay. And now ATP decided to bring that back in a bigger format. Man, the ATP doesn't want to give up anything. 
Yeah, but I mean, that's, that, that's pretty much what happened. And they wanted to, to, to create this new event, 2014 uh, event in the beginning of the year on week one. Explain what, explain that. So January one. Yes, it's the 10 day event starting January 3rd next year and going all the way to the 12th. So and it's, that's it's in Brisbane. That's divided in three cities. You have Perth, Brisbane, and Sydney. And then you have the group stages in Perth, Brisbane, and Sydney, and then the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals all in Sydney. So that's, that's gonna be you know 24 countries, pretty much, I would say the top 50 to 60 players in the world, all playing in Australia. Okay, I see, so you're not simply dealing with uh, Australian players, no, you're dealing no, with no. the world. world. You're world. trying to get all these cats to play. Yes, yes, that's the initial, that's, that's the focus on the job now. To get they know get all the pieces together. You're like in you're like in high school. They have like most congenial, best looking, <laughs> most athletic. You got like the you must you got the nicest guy award. Yeah, you got to get everyone together. Everyone together. That's exactly what I do. I make the connection between the office and the locker room. That's incredible. Yeah. And um, do you have to move to Australia? I do. The plan is to move there, but not the. I signed a three three year deal. This first year, I'll be still based out of Brazil. I have to spend uh, 12 weeks in Melbourne and also do some traveling to tournaments. But uh, 2020, the plan is, is to move there for, the, for years two and three of the contract. And uh, yeah, it's a big move. Now, when, now you're <laughs> married, I, you have children? Yes, I'm married, I have one little girl. And did, when, where were you when you spilled the beans? Well, did you have a discussion about this or what? Yeah, I mean, when I first returned from Melbourne this year, uh, I had the first couple of meetings with, uh, with Craig Tiley, our CEO, and. You know, I got back home and I told my wife, I said, listen, Tennis Australia approached me, could be an opportunity, might be an opportunity there, let's see what they're gonna present and then we can make a decision. And uh, they were like, yeah, they're fine about it, let's, let's see how it goes. But you know, I was, the first meeting I had with Craig, he asked me two, basically two questions. He said, you know. For our, for our listeners, Craig Tiley, yes. the head of Tennis Australia, the tournament director for and CEO, and CEO of Tennis Australia, and also the tournament director for the Australian Open. Yes. He runs Australian tennis, he, yeah. and uh, he's the one who has static with Nick Kyrgios and Bernard Tomic, and this is all the kind of yeah. this is the biggest guy. He's one of the biggest guys in tennis for sure. So one you're talking biggest, to yeah, biggest executives in tennis. Yep. And then he approached me and said, "Andre, you know, there's opportunities here. Are you interested?" I go, "Yes." Second question was, uh, are you able to move to Melbourne? You know, that caught me by surprise. I said, uh, yes, because you know, the family issue is always tough. But to me, if I said no, the meeting would be over. So I just said, yes, I'm, I'm able, okay, we're gonna contact you in a few weeks and, and let's see if we can, we can come up. And that's when it happened. And then he called me again when I was in Brazil and he said, listen, presented me a, a job description and, and this is what we want you to do. This is a new role. In, in the company, and uh, you know, it'd be great if you could join join the team. And then I had to drop the bomb to my wife. <laughs> and uh, let's just say the smoke is still going up. <laughs> yeah, uh, the panic attack starts, yeah. and now you got well. You have some time though. Yeah, we got a year. I was able to negotiate with Tyler. I mean, the first year I can be in Brazil because you got to figure everything out with the family, and then years two and three we, we move, but. Time's ticking, man. You gotta get, you're getting ready to move to Australia. Yeah. Now, are you bullish on the event? Do you think that this is, um, 
Are you clearly think it's going to be a good thing? or? Yeah, I think it's going to be good. It's something new, something creative. I think that's what Tennis Australia is all about. They're always trying to, to push the boundaries and find new ways to, to, to bring new stuff to tennis. And I think that's what they're trying to do with this, not only this event, the big summer you know, of tennis in Australia, because the week after you still have the Adelaide 250 and then Melbourne. So they were able to involve all major cities in Australia in one month with huge tennis experience. And just I, get I think it that's popping, positive. just yeah. get it popping. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's gonna be new, it's gonna be you know, creative, new things that, that we're gonna come up with to, to, to help the players, help the fans, and help, you know, help the product. Well, nobody ever complains about being in Australia, that's for yeah. sure. Especially in January. <laughs> Let's move into our second set. This is what we call the On The Court Report. Let's start with the women. We're recording this in March in Miami. We're probably airing this closer to the lead up to Wimbledon. Women's tennis is so crazy right now. The only thing I bet on is we'll probably be talking about someone completely different in the next few months. But we just saw Andreescu come out of nowhere in Indian Wells. Unbelievable player, unbelievable effort. What do you think of her? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always great to have a new win, especially like this. You know, a young girl coming out of nowhere, a wild card and uh, going all the way to win the tournament. This is such a great story, you know, and, and, and the girls, they are here traveling the same amount of uh, uh, weeks as the guys. They should be recognized just, just the same, you know, and going back to the Australian uh, summer, we're gonna have also WTA events in Brisbane and also together with the ATP Cup, and we're also gonna have a WTA event in Adelaide. So, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, so the girls are also gonna have their swing. They're gonna have Brisbane, they're gonna have Adelaide, and then they're gonna have Melbourne. So we're we trying to bring uh, both men and women into into the whole picture of tennis. Moving into this year, are there any South Americans coming yeah. that we well, haven't heard about? Well, I mean, in South America now, let's say it's a bit a bit quiet, but uh, I mean, there's always potential there. The, the tennis culture there, of course, is not as big as as in America or, or in Europe, but. You know, the, we still have great teachers and great uh, coaches down there, and, and hopefully we can get more tournaments to go down to South America so we're able to develop South American players. But the girls' side, I think everything new is positive, you know. And uh, the Williams are great for the sport. They're, like, in their high 30s now and still doing damage. So that's that's a great story. And we have so many different winners in, in every girls' event. Right, every event's been a different winner this year. Yeah, it's so been it's, incredible. This is, this, I mean, this is exciting. This is a good story. It means that, the, you know, the depth is pretty good. Who stood out on the men's side to you? Oh, we, we saw her cots play. Yeah. I mean, this guy is official. This guy's a grinder. You know, it's a guy, you look You look at him and, and you see him walking around, like, you know, bubbling around. Like, man, this, is this guy an athlete? He doesn't look like, but the guy's a great athlete. He gets to every ball, he's sliding to every ball, and he's just consistent. And he doesn't miss. Yeah, he's consistent, and, and that's what you need. And this is, this is something great. But the guy, I mean, the guys that I like, you know, the most uh, of this uh, new generation, I think I, I'll have to say... My top three will be Tsitsipas, it will be Shapovalov and Kachanov. I think these three guys have, will carry, you know, they'll be big in the next five years. Shapovalov is so flashy. Yeah, I like that guy so much. I mean, he's, he's great and a great guy off the court as well. I know him pretty well and the guy is just... He's got, a real, he's got a real bouncy body. Yeah, um, I, mean, but, I mean, all these guys, they all have so much room to improve and they are already very good. So Already that, very yeah, good. Yeah, so that, that tells you, the, you know, the, what's going to happen in the next five years. 
Where's the Brazilians? Is it, I mean, you got a, you got a couple doubles guys and yeah, the doubles guys are, are you know they've been doing great for the last uh, ten years. And you know, we got uh, you know our number one player Thiago Monteiro. He's playing here, and uh, and uh, you know Thomas Bellucci is always always a name out there that's strong. But we have a new a new kid coming up, Thiago Wilge. He won the U.S. Open Junior last year. Oh, spell that. What's his name? Well, we let's say Wild W I L D. Wield, you say. Yeah, say so it? we say Wilge. Wilge. There you go. You gotta but get it's wild. Wilge. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Brazilian style yeah. right there, boy. So this kid, this kid is good. Wilge. He can play. Tiago Wilge. Tiago Wilge. He won the U.S. Open Juniors last year. Yes. Who did he beat? Uh, mm, maybe an Italian kid. Yeah. I'm not sure. But he's he's the real thing. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big game. He's got to improve. He just gotta mature. You know, he needs you know he needs a few years uh, on the tour to get to get experience and and, and hopefully he can. He can break through. Let's move into our third set. This is the portion of our show where we typically talk about your career. Um, yeah. Listen, I know that you're from Belo Horizonte, uh, Minas Gerais, uh, yeah. one of the states of Brazil. That's right. Um, I have the, when I was 21 years old, I went to Brazil. I played tennis at the yeah. Tennis Clube de Minas. That's, uh, that's where you learn all your Portuguese. Little you? bit, yeah. man. I went there. Well, that's a different, well, that's a different show. Now, that's, um, that's my club, Minas. That's your club, yeah, yeah. Tennis Clube de Minas. Yeah, de Minas, yeah. Um, how, what, where does your tennis story begin? Does it begin right there? Yeah, it began right there in Minas. I, I started playing. I was uh, seven years old, you know, influenced by my older brother who, who used to play. And uh, you know, I was just start playing playing well from from the beginning. You know, like when I was in the under 12s, I was I finished number one in the country. Number one in Brazil. Number one in Brazil, and uh, and that opened up a door for me to to come to to Bolletti, the foreign Bolletieri, now IMG Academy. No, no, but you are you were you were uh, five years in Bolletieri's. I was from 13 to 18. Who who did you battle with up there? It was me, Tommy Haas, and Max Mirny. Three guys, pretty much the same age. We are me and me and Max. We are yeah, we are seventy-seven, and Tommy seventy-eight. And you guys are all friends to this we day. We are friends, yeah, very very close to this day. And who else was there that was interesting? Or you guys uh, were the three best guys? Well, well I mean, with the three guys that came out as pros, and of course we had uh, the the former pros that practiced there. You know, there was the time when Agassi was there, Jim Courier was there, and. Samples used to come a little bit. They'd pop in. They pop Yo, because you guys it. were kids. Yeah, we were kids. We were 13, 13, 14. So would you like? Would, these would, guys already. Yeah, no, I guess he won in like in uh, nine. I think ninety or ninety one. He won here, and then he went to train there, and we were there. Like ninety one was my first year. So and you see him? We saw him, and like man, Do you practice you know, with him or anything like that? No, 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 too, no. too young. Too we young. Just, we just watched, and uh, and of course Kornikova went there she, when she was twelve, also in the same. Same time as uh, as uh, all of us. Did you have a positive experience at Polteris? Yeah, it was very positive to me. Did you I improve? I did. I did, but not not only in areas inside inside of the court. I think mostly outside of the court, and I think things that you need as a tennis player to develop to 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 get to the to the top level. Things like discipline, independence, passion for what you're doing. You know, all these things. Learn learn to compete. All these things I got it from from, from Bolletieri's, which which for me was amazing. Did you um, interact with Nick in a significant way? Yeah, I mean we did not a lot because my group we they used to have like group divided by level one through ten, and then they had Nick's group, 
with special kids. And I wasn't in Nick's group. I was in groups, you know, one, sometimes two. But uh, sometimes they would, they would uh, bring us in to play some, uh, some matches with the kids from Nick's group. And then that was interesting. That way we would, we would interact a lot. And now Nick's group is the highest group or Nick's group was like some floating around like the people with the most money or? Yeah, both, <laughs> both. They had, you know, Tommy and Max were there. And yeah. then they have all the guys floaters, but, uh, but the good players, usually they went there. Kornikova also. Oh yeah. And, and then, you know, and for me it was great because I, I used to come and practice with them a lot. What's your uh, opinion of, of Nick and what his contribution to tennis? I think it's huge. You know, his energy, his commitment to the sport is still today at age 20, <laughs> 83. He's, he went to Brazil. We were in Brazil a couple, a couple weeks ago at the Rio Open. The guy was on court. I, I did a clinic with him 2.30 in the afternoon. You imagine the heat in Rio at 2.30 in the afternoon. Yo, man, by the way. Uh, the guy is full on. Yo, by the way, the guy is full on, man. <laughs> Full we just on. saw him a couple months ago in Long Island in the freaking snow. Yeah. He went to Rio a week after that. Full he on, but you can was, tell that he's happy, man. He's happy with yeah, what he's doing, and you know, he he makes a difference. I think that's the biggest thing. Not not only strokes or, or you know, ten hundred play, just to get guys listen. You can make it. You know, you Mark know, Knowles said important. to Mark Knowles said to me years and years and years ago, but he's I remember he said, you know what? He gets you to think you're the best player in the whole world, and you can really do it. He's one of the great motivators. Not a, lot of not a lot of people can do that. People can help with your ground strokes. People can help you with your strategy. People can help with the, your serve, but not many guys can get into your head, and that's 70% of the sport. To think that you're the baddest cat out there. It's a matter, it doesn't matter what you do in practice. All it matters is when you do it in the match. So how do you how do you turn pro? What happens? Where, what year is it? How old are you? Yeah, I, was, I mean, eighteen. I had to to make a decision about uh, going to college or or coming back to Brazil and try to become a pro. So I sat down with my parents. At that time, you know, believe it or not, I was getting good grades, and, uh, I, and I was playing it, well. <laughs> I was playing well. Of course, my my level was good. So I had some good offers from from big time schools you know like UCLA, USC and Texas Tech they were all division 1s back then. I wanted to ask you did you have um, significant junior results? Did you win the Orange Bowl? No, no. Nothing no, like that. Uh, no, nothing like that. I didn't really play a lot of junior tournaments. What I did play was like money tournaments in uh, on, on the weekends in Florida. And that also helped a lot because I was playing against you know 27 year old Grown guys, 28, I'm 15, 16 and you know I got a battle against these guys, and that you know that makes you improve. The better players you play, the more you improve. That's that's the secret. Money tournaments in Florida, <laughs> man. We haven't Two heard days, that before. You know? How many of those do you think you played? 20, 30? Yeah, yeah, at least, at least, at least. And you know this draws like 128 guys. Guys there. trying to Three get matches money. a day, and you play for you know. $3,500, but that was a big paycheck, you know, back, back in those so days. So you would turn pro, man. You were just like, you know, like man, this, this is good, you know, good practice for me. Go to the Bradenton yeah, Mall with that a, check. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was just a different approach. So you didn't path. go to Junior Wimbledon and all that no. kind of stuff. You didn't play the ITS, no. no. You were a bulletary player, and then those guys like Red would take you out around. Take you out and play, and uh, Jose Lambert at the time was also also my coach, and you know they would take us around over the weekends, and in the summer I'll go back to Brazil. There I would play some junior events in, in, in Brazil, but 
Uh, mostly, I wanted to, to to be with my family as well because I was, you know, away. I was sure. a young kid. I, I saw them twice a year, so that was also, you know, that's part of tennis. I mean, and tennis that, is away. And now, were you on the radar of the Brazilian Federation when you were at Boletaries? Or not, not really. Yeah, I was. You when were. I came back because when I was uh, when I was seventeen, I came back for the for the summer, and they had a couple challengers in Brazil, and they gave me a wild card in one of them. And I played Luis Matar. Luis Matar who was a, our number one player. Luis Matar, uh, uh, one of the, he was the, for the best player in Brazil for a long for time, a long. and he carried the, he carried that that title yeah, as yeah. best player in Brazil for, for a, a long, long time. time. He was you know top thirty in the world, and and all of a sudden I draw him first round. And I'm like, man, all right, let's see what happens. But then I lost six four in the third. You played him tight. Played a great match, and his coach was the Davis Cup captain. He was like, who is this kid coming out of nowhere? The tournament was on hard, I, you know, playing well on hard courts. What's the deal? So then a couple months later, I get a call to come over and, 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 and be a, a junior practice for the Davis Cup team. And that's when pretty much things started and I, I, I felt part of the, you know, the Brazilian tennis world. Jaime Ancins. Jaime Ancins was there, Fernando Meligeni, uh, Luis Matar and Fernando Ruiz. That was the, the team. The first time I went, and the junior players was me, some kid called Gustavo Curtin, <laughs> you and Guga, yeah, and another Brazilian junior, Marcio Carlson. Are you older than Guga? No, I'm one year younger. Oh, you are. Yeah, he's 76. I'm 77. Right on. So I mean, pretty much the same age there, and 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 then that's when when things start to to like, man, I really, you know, I can ha take a shot at, at, at pro. And then what's going, your what, I got to tell you, what's your record against Guga? Uh, we never played. In singles, we never played. Never played. No. Never. We played one EXO in Brazil and I got him. But EXO doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't but, I, count. But, I, but I tell him, I tell him about it. Yeah, I remember that time. <laughs> Wait, so, so you basically, um, you come, come out of those challenges, you played yeah. Luis Matar, and you were, now you were. I'm, I'm there, and then thought I thought your then, life could yeah. change. And then a next bit. year, the year after, I had to make a decision. You know, I finished high school in, in Florida, and. Uh, Sat down with my parents and, you know, it's a tough decision because my dad was also like, you know, conservative, but man, are you sure you want to give up an opportunity at a great schools? It's not like you're going to a division three or something like that. And and then we, we made a decision, say, oh, dad, I mean, I wanna, what I want to do is come back and see if I can play for two years. And if things doesn't, don't work out, I I go back, you know, so that's that's how it started. And then I went back to Brazil and things things started right away. You know, your doubles success uh, far outweighed your singles success. Yeah. Um, at what point do you become like almost a doubles expert? You won a lot of doubles tournaments. Yeah, I mean, but it, it was late. I think it was a natural transition. You know, I played uh, I played singles until I was uh, 31. Oh, you did? I, yeah, okay, yeah. so so you so, so yeah, you yeah, had I, 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 I mean, I played all my all the singles, I guess, that I had. In my in my career, and then uh, you know things start happening fast in the double scene. That's why I think it also made it easier for me to make the decision. I was ranked, let's say, by the end of my career, 31. I was I was ranked like 140, 150 in the world. So I was playing mostly challengers, and then the doubles thing. And, and that's a tough way to do it. Yeah, it's tough, you know, because I, I mean I was I was in the top 100 for 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 a, a time. I think about five years span, but. Uh, and then you know you go back to challenges and to events. It's, it's you know, and you're 31 back you know back in those days. 
you know, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, 31 was old. Now 31 is young. So right. <laughs> things were different. And uh, Things were different. Yeah, and then Marcelo Melo showed up in the scene. And he's like, yeah, let's play, let's play. We started playing the challenge I was playing. We, we start playing doubles together. We start winning, winning. We won like six challenges. You got good chemistry. Yeah, and then the year after... What, we, was the, what was the significance of the chemistry? Why did you guys make a good team? I think, I think we, we knew uh, each other's roles pretty well. Like I, w- I was the leader, and he was the guy bringing in the intensity. And we kind of completed each other well. I was, I was returning well. He wasn't returning so well. But he was serving very well. I wasn't serving very well. So he was helping at the net. I was fast at the net, you know, and uh, solid ground strokes. So all that, those combinations, I guess he made us uh, uh, play well together. And you know how to volley. Yeah. And, and Marcelo Melo is a great doubles player. Yeah, I mean, the guy is, you know, the guy is, I don't know, what, six, six foot eight or something. So it's, it's, He's it's a big huge, guy. big wing there in the net. But most important, he, he was fresh. He was, he was excited to be there. It was like he was in, in Disney World being on the tour, you know, and I, I gave him an easier pathway because I already knew everyone, so it was easy to introduce him in the locker rooms and he, he, he felt comfortable right away. And, uh, you know, one of the very first tour events we played was in history when we won. And then, I cut, <laughs> and then we go to French Open, we, we do well, and then we go to Wimbledon. First, Marcelo's first Wimbledon. We make a run to the semis. And then I'm like, 150 in, in singles, now top 50 in doubles. I think it makes sense to, you know, that's just, I, I finished this year playing some singles, but I will focus more on the doubles. And then that same year, you end again, quarterfinals of the US Open. And by September, now we're top 30. You're making a real living. And then, man. like, yeah, I mean, we're gonna play the best tournaments, we're making a better living, and, and you know, the chemistry is great together. Let's, let's keep, keep this going. And uh, that's pretty much how, the transition happened, you know. It's all, you know, in tennis, I guess, tennis and in life, everything's very based in results. So things are, are if things are going well, you feel like you're improving and getting the results you, you, you plan for. Then. Well, it's better than, by the way, playing main draw Wimbledon's a lot better than playing some challenger in uh, Southeast Asia yeah. during that week, man. For sure. Because that's a tough way to do it. Very tough. Um, yeah. Listen, you're a final eight club of Wimbledon. Um, yeah. First of all, that's incredible. Uh, you got to tell us a story about that. That, that. that was the year they slowed those courts down. Yeah, it was. Explain that. Say, Explain I, the whole thing. It was 2002? Oh, 2002. Yeah. And that was a combination of things because also um, I think it didn't rain at all that year. So the courts were drier and, and you could stay back. But a few a few little things that, that, that happened. I think the ball was the main issue because the balls now were a little bit heavier uh, than before and uh, and of course the grass I mean I, I, Tim Henman says they changed the grass man they changed the grass you, you could definitely stay back and I also think they cut the grass differently you know before it used to be from the net to the baseline and now it's from the baseline to the net so it's a different angle on the grass and apparently it makes it slower it's uh, just, no, I, just I heard maybe I heard that they put concrete, yeah. like a foot also. or two under the grass. Yeah. And it made, so it's concrete, then it's dirt, 
Then it's grass. Yeah. And then it's so it bounces more pure. Yeah. Who else made the? Well, so tell us about that. So you start. You got out. You got out there. Were you main draw? Or you played. I was quality? main draw. No, I was main draw already. This is in 2002. I was main draw. I play uh, against a French guy, Anthony Dupuy, in the first round. Big battle, six four in the fifth. Really? Already, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the huge battle, you know, all, all over the place. And then um, in the second round, I played at that time Stefan Kubek. He was a top 20 player at that time, so he was a high seed for for that section. And you know, I, I beat him as well in four sets. And then in the third round, I played. Now, were your friends having a joke with you at this time? I mean, well, because no one really know a Brazilian guy on grass. What is it? Any, any grass? Has it ever been a real? <laughs> but I, I played well. It suited my game because I mean, I grew up on hard courts in, in, in America, so I like the fast. Stuff and remember, back in those days, the courts were fast. They were not like uh, the majority of courts today that they're pretty slow and, and and you know very different kind of hard courts. Different hard. hard. So it suited my game. I was getting free you know free points with my serve. You know, third round. Great. Third round, I played my boy Flavio Sareta, also from Brazil. The guy beat Thomas Johansson, the fifth seed, 12-10 in the fifth, the match before. And then, you know, open up the draw, and then people start talking, like, what is this? Two Brazilian guys in the third <laughs> round. Third round of women playing against each other. And, you know, it was, it was great. Again, five sets against Flavio, again, 6-1 in the fifth. You know, big battle, all that stuff. And as then, I know, is your court improving? Are you starting to move? Big time. <laughs> improving big time. By, by the third round with Sareta, we were on court three. You know, before you from, we were, 18. Yeah, from 18, 15, now court three. And then that, that was a good, that was a good one. Then I played in the, in the fourth round, I played uh, Feliciano Lopez, which, you know, the guy's a huge grass court player. <laughs> young Feliciano Lopez. Young, you know, serving bombs and, and you know. That he beat, lefty uh, serve out wide into the court. And uh, he, he beat Reina Schuttler, who Ryan was like Schuttler. top five in those days. And uh, so, you know, uh, that's how the draw was, was coming up. And, and you know, I, play, I played a great match. It was probably the best match I played against uh, Feliciano. I beat him in four sets to, to make it to the quarters. That's, is that the best win you've ever had? No, because I beat, I beat a couple, I beat uh, to, two top 10 players when they were top 10. I beat Filipusis and, uh, and uh, Roddick. And uh, you know, that, that was good. Feliciano Lopez in the fourth round, that's a yeah, great win. Yeah, it was a, it was yeah, a good win. And, uh, and then quarterfinals, Teen Henman in 2002, remember? Brazil, in the World Cup in Asia, Brazil beat England in the quarterfinals. And I'm playing Henman in the quarterfinals. <laughs> and then, this was like, I think that they... The, the, Center the court, Wimbledon? Center court, yeah. The, 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 the quarterfinals of the World Cup was like, a, I guess, one week before. I feel the, like I remember all this. So then I wake up in the morning to have breakfast. I look at the paper. <laughs> has a photo, front page, a photo of uh, Teen Henman with the Ronaldo haircut. Remember when he, they all shaved his head and just left the front part of it? Henman's face with their haircut, and he said, revenge. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, the, the, the crowd is going to be wild. going wild. And, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I, I, play, I played a great match. You know, I mean, what I was, was nervous. Score? Of course, I was nervous, you know, being, walking on center court. I was, you know, just, you know, you know how you, you, you leave the locker room, you go down a couple stairs, and then you go into the tunnel. And I mean, I just so nervous. I was like, please don't fall down the steps, man. And, and all you do, don't fall down. And uh, you freeze, you, know, you get a little tight. Freeze, very tight. I mean, I wasn't 
used to playing on center court, you know, especially on a, on a quarterfinal, second week of a Grand Slam. Well, that's the most famous court in the world against Tim uh, Henry. That's yeah, incredible. And, and the crowd going crazy. We, I mean, we had to stop the first day. We only played a set. And then in rain, we had to go back the following day. And, uh, but it was a great experience. It was, you know, a tight match. You know, I, you know, we split the first two sets. I remember I went up, I went up a break early in the third set, and, uh, but I ended up losing in, in the next two sets in four. But for me, it was awesome, you know, just, just to be there and, and have the experience. And now have final the, the final eight. Final eight, man. I just got the email uh, two days ago. What did it say? Because you can only use the, those things after you retire. Since I retired last year, then I got the email with, because you invited you and a, and a guest to, to attend the whole championships for, for the rest of your life. That's the, the greatest thing about the, the final eight. And you get paid too, right? They no, give, no, no. Oh, no. No, no. They just give you the, the, the credentials and you're invited to have tea at five with the members. <laughs> Every day. Every day. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Well, yeah, I mean, and you're credentialed for the rest of your life. Yeah, me and a guest. Yeah. What else? What else you get? Well, I, I don't know. I'm gonna find out now. It's the first year after retirement that I'm that I'm gonna really go. I just know that. We that were talking get. to Heinz Gunthart, and uh, he was telling us the final eight at the French Open. They give you like a meal stipend. Take like a whole. They got a whole thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure they give you tickets and everything, but I'm gonna, you know, when I go there, right, you gotta let us to know. find out and, and see and see how it's gonna be. You gotta let us know, man. For sure. Wait, so you only retired last year? Last year, I played my last two tournaments in uh, Rio and São Paulo. Yeah. That's a way to do it, man. Yeah, I played at home as, you know, I was happy because I decided to stop on my own terms. It wasn't because of injury. It wasn't because. I was losing my level. It wasn't because I, I was getting old. I just said, you know, it's I'm still playing well. I'm still like I was fifth in the world and in doubles, and I think it's time. New opportunities are starting to come. Yeah, right off the bat, I started coaching uh, Thomas Bellucci and working for, with ITF. So it just made sense for me to, you know, to move on Yo, to man. different things. Listen, you had a tremendous yeah, career. So good. Congratulations. 20, yeah, 22 years on the tour, and uh, you know. Longevity is always something positive. You know, you, I'm, I'm going to ask you one last question in this section of the show. Um, how important has Guga been to uh, Brazilian tennis? And uh, what's your relationship with him? Well, we are very close. Like I said, we are just one year apart. But, uh, you know, when I, when I moved to America, he, I mean, he stayed in Brazil, so we kind of lost contact a little bit because we used to play the junior tournaments together. But then when the Davis Cup thing came back and then we both became pros, then we were, we were close, pretty close again. But his career just shooted off the, the you know, the <laughs> earth when he was 20 by winning the first title of his career. You win the French Open and then things change. Who and got wins the first title of his career at yeah, French and Open? And then things change in Brazil, you know. You had, you know, kids falling from everywhere to, to play tennis and... and Academies popping up and the, the tennis culture just exploded because before no one really know you know the, the, the two main sports in Brazil is of course uh, soccer football and volleyball which is very very popular but then tennis is just you know very elite and tough tough access to, to all the kids that, that, that are in Brazil so he made a whole different ball game he, things just exploded in Brazil with his Guga mania. We need to see more Brazilians. There should be some kids that were inspired yeah. by him coming. Yeah, but I mean, we we ran into a little bit of difficulties because 
we were we didn't have an infrastructure or we we're not prepared for 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 such things. We didn't have like a tennis program like well developed and, and organized to 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 you know give the kids the pathway to to the pros. So no one really knew what what, what was happening. You know, he was like a, you know like a lightning struck our country, and all of a sudden everyone is expecting, oh, you're going to be the next Google. Every parent like oh man, the my, infrastructure be, wasn't there. It wasn't there. It wasn't there with our with our federation, with with the tennis clubs, with the tennis academies, and and you know. Like I said before him, tennis was small for a small. We had great players from the past. We had Luis Matar, we had Jaime Onsins, we had we had Maria Bueno, who was a Maria multiple bueno. Grand Slam champion, but it was for this very small section of the country. And all of a sudden this guy opened up to everything. And remember, we have you know 200 million people living in Brazil. And uh, for him to bring tennis, bring this different individual sport, to TV and to the you know taxi drivers. I remember before I, I from school I used to take a taxi sometimes to, to to go to the tennis, and I had my racket bag. The guy would ask me if it was a guitar, and all of a sudden after he won the <laughs> French, I go, man, oh you tennis player, Guga, 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 man. That's how the culture changed. He's a taxi driver. And by the way, they don't come much cooler than Guga. No, no. That's guy, as cool of a guy as there is in the world. Yeah, the man. charisma, the charisma is just off the roof. <sighs> Mellow, I, I like to, reggae. I, I like to give this example. I, I played with him at doubles in Buenos Aires. And you know the tension and the rivalry between Argentina and Brazil in everything. People there loved him. It was the first guy I've ever seen. Argentinian we play, uh, we played the night match against Naubandian and Lucas Arnold. Huh. And the, I tell you, the crowd was chanting for Guga. They love and Guga. And this is another level of charisma. That's Because level. either you have or you don't. Doesn't matter, you can win 10 French Opens, either you have or you don't. And he had it, and he still does. He still does. Shout out to Guga, man. Yeah. We love Guga. We got to get him out here. We got to get him on the show one of yeah, these days, man. He is the sure. best. Yeah, I love him. You just ask him two questions, he'll talk for two hours. Let's move into our fourth set. We call this the 10 ball scramble. It's not a deep dive. I'm going to say something, yeah. and you just say what comes into your mind. Oh, or boy. Whatever. No, this it's is, cool. This is the dangerous section. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> your best win. Philippoussis. Where? Washington, D.C. Score. Four and six. That's a good win. Um, your worst loss? Oh. <laughs> 20. I would say that comes to my mind the doubles match at the Rio Olympics. We lost to the Italians, Fognini and Seppi, and we were up a set and a break. We were up a break in the third, and we ended up losing, and that hurt. <sighs> yeah, because it was total, totally under control. Seven, five, three, one. And we lost the set, and then 4-3 serving in the third, and we lost. Fonini went on fire, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, you know, Fonini. <laughs> Favorite tournament? Wimbledon. Best player party? Borstad. <laughs> Borstad. Sweden. Good party. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. No more details about that one. <laughs> um, your favorite forehand? Uh... Gonzalez. Fernando, Fernando. Gonzalez, yeah. what a forehand. Favorite backhand? Um, Nalbanian. Serve? 
serve, favorite, favorite serve or best serve? Favorite serve, I would say Wayne Arthurs. Let's oh. go tennis guy. Let's get this tennis guy, the fans there to that's look South it up. That's South African, Wayne uh, Arthurs. Uh, Aussie, Aussie. Aussie. Aussie oh, that's lefty. right. Aussie left. You know what? He had an incredible serve. <sighs> incredible right. serve. Yeah. I like. Shout out to Wayne Arthurs. If anyone wants to look at that serve, try to find it on YouTube or that's something. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you're right. You know what? He had an amazing serve. Amazing lefty. Oh. Uh, volleys. Volleys, rafter. Who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, I would say uh, Agassi. And now? Roger. You love Roger Federer? Yeah, who doesn't? He's the pro's pro. <laughs> Labor Cup. Great event. Davis Cup. You got to keep the tradition going. ATP Cup. Something new. Fresh. Are you excited, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Very. Let's move into our fifth and final set. This is what we call the king of the court. If you were the king of the tennis and you could just take one scepter swing and make a big change, what would it be? Oh, that's a, that's a big one. You know, I, I guess the, be the best thing would be, it would be uh, a little bit less tournaments and more equal distribution at every level. Prize money, prize money needs wise. to. You need to get the lower guys making more money. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it's always a it's always a, a tricky issue because, you know, of course, the top guys are the ones that sell tickets and bring in the entertainment. But it should not be that hard for a guy who's in between, you know, seventy five and one hundred fifty in the world to to make a living. So I think he's also part of the of the business and and part of the of the tennis world. And if you're a top 150 in the world, your level is pretty high. My man, um, first of all, I cannot thank you enough. Um, good luck with your new gig. And uh, Andre Sa, the Brazilian working for Tennis Australia. That's right. Um, what's your title? Head of player liaison. You're the head, you're the head player liaison for yeah. Tennis Australia. Um, you are released. All right, thank you guys. Thanks for having me, this was cool. Huge thank you to Andre Sa and good luck with the move down under. Thank you to the folks at the Miami Open and my cousin Jay Shapiro for the accommodations. If you want to help support Under Review and get some great perks along the way, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash underreviewtennis. Thank you all for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And tell your friends. We can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a topic you want explored or a person you want to hear from, please let us know. Our email is info at underreviewtennis.com. At UR with CS is our Twitter handle. Underreviewtennis is our Instagram and Facebook. Our producer is Scott Tuft, and our music is by Brian Senti. Jason Binnick did our mix. We will be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.